At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Is Wordle still a thing? Do people do that anymore? Or that kind of just like faded away? I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. These fads come and go, right? But hey, kudos to the people who cashed in and I guess they sold it to the New York Times and but there was a, it was all over, right? You couldn't log on to Twitter without seeing uh, a Wordle score. Hey, congratulations. You got in two of six. It's really impressive. Well, the big story that occurred here on uh, Wednesday, Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers. And I think one of the funniest things that I see that I saw uh, all day across social media was the people that just realized that the Cleveland Browns play the Carolina Panthers in week one as if we haven't had an NFL schedule for months, as if we here on this network have not been telling you about betting the Carolina Panthers in week one for the past several months. But uh, yeah, it's it's like the, the, the people that put on Twitter or, or the videos or the network saying, you know, how amazing is it? We get the Baker Mayfield revenge game in week one. Ah. Like this is... This was not a surprise trade. This is a trade that's been talked about for a long time. In fact, the Carolina Panthers were the only team, it seemed, that was interested in acquiring Baker Mayfield. And part of me felt that this could get to a point where, man, he's not going to get traded and the Browns are just going to wait until the market improves. Like they're going to wait until maybe a quarterback goes down with an injury or there's, you know, a team that's uncertain with what they have in the preseason and decides, you know what? I'm in. Trade me Baker. But they pulled the trigger here on a deal. And it's amazing when you look now at what the Panthers actually had to give up for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Like, like, think about it. They had to trade a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth, two fourth-round picks, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. And they have Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, 
and Matt Corral. Like, that's unbelievable. To give up those assets to acquire nothing. And they thought they were getting something in Sam Darnold, and and that's fine. And Sam Darnold did show signs. And I think after the first three weeks of the season last year where the uh, um, where the, the Panthers were 3-0 and Darnold was throwing for 300 yards in all three games and he had four rushing touchdowns, right? And, and, and you're looking at it and you're saying, man, you know, this team, their defense is playing well. You know, McCaffrey's good. Darnold is stepping up and, and, and they're 3-0 to start the year. Woo! Granted, it was against two of those wins or against the Texans and the Jets. And then McCaffrey goes down. Darnold's got issues. They bring in Cam Newton. They got to start P.J. Walker. It's just the season got away from them. But uh, as Warren Sharp tweeted out here on Wednesday, Since Dave Tepper bought the Panthers in 2018, they are 22-43, and which is the fifth worst record in the NFL. And they have not made the playoffs. They have only won five games for three straight seasons. And they are only favored in two of their 17 games this season. And they did not address their quarterback need with any of their top 10 draft picks over the last three seasons. 2020, they took defensive tackle. Um, If we look at their draft history, and they had, what was it? They had top 10 picks, okay, in the past three drafts. And here's who they took. They took in 20, let's talk, let's go 2020, right? I said the last three drafts. So 2020, Derek Brown from Auburn, defensive tackle. In 2021, they took J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina. And this year, they took Iki Ikonu, obviously the offensive tackle from NC State. But when you look at the drafts that we have seen, right? And the op- I, I maybe this year we can kind of say, all right, I you know, I don't know if there was um if there was anything that was uh, a a quarterback that they could have taken that would cuz this year wasn't a this year wasn't like a sexy quarterback draft. Right? I mean, the first quarterback didn't go until Kenny Pickett at 20. So with the Panthers, was it a reach if they take Kenny Pickett at six? Yeah, maybe. But look, if you think you got a quarterback of the future, you got a quarterback of the future. And that, that's a decision that the team can, can make. Uh, in 2021, where they had the eighth overall pick and they took J.C. Horn, the only quarterback that they could have gotten well, they well they could have got they, they, Justin Fields won eleventh. They could have taken Mac Jones, Mac Jones fifteenth to the Patriots. But the three quarterbacks were all taken at the top of the draft: Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. You know, maybe they would make a trade up or whatever. It's fine. 
in 2020, they had the seventh overall pick, and they took Derek Brown. Now, the Chargers had the sixth overall pick. They took Justin Herbert one pick before them. And, you know, maybe that upset them. And maybe they did not have a backup plan. Maybe their plan was Justin Herbert or or best player available. Because the next quarterback after Justin Herbert went was not until uh, Jordan Love at 26. And we still haven't seen Jordan Love. Um, You know, Jalen Hurts was taken 53rd. Uh, That was in the second round Jalen Hurts was taken. And he had a couple of quarterbacks that, you know, um, nothing going on there. But it's been it's been an interesting time for the Carolina Panthers. But looking at this season, I really I think that there's a chance that they could win over six and a half games. I think they can win seven games. And I think it they will get better quarterback play. They've addressed the issues on the offensive line, drafting Iki Akonu. Right, so you drift, you, you 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 strengthen the offensive line. Christian McCaffrey's back healthy, and then in the division alone, you know they could sweep both games against Atlanta. But let's just look at their schedule, and let's just say, let's give them a split of the games against Atlanta and the games against the Saints, because the Saints are in a little bit of a transition as well. And they play the Saints early on in the year. And I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be there for that game. Right? Like, there's, like, he could, Alvin Kamara is still facing a suspension. So, you know, what are we, what are we going to, maybe he doesn't play in that game. So if, if they play the Saints without Kamara, Maybe they can win that game. So let's give them a split of the Saints and a split of the Falcons. That's two wins. Can they get five more wins? That's the question that you're asking, right? Five more wins. And where where can we see those five wins come from? Well, you look at them. Let's look at the home games first because that's their best opportunity is the home games. Can you win a home game against the Browns in week one? Well, you know, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, you got Baker revenge, and yeah, they could very well win that week one game. That spread has gone down. They're now a one-point dog. Could you win at home against the Cardinals? Probably not. Revenge spot for the Cardinals from last year as well. Could you win at home against the 49ers? Maybe. I don't know what we're going to see from San Francisco this year. A lot of people are very high on them. I don't know what we're going to get from Trey Lance. Uh, against the Bucks, unlikely. The Falcons, we already talked about that. The Falcons and Saints were giving them the splits. Uh, against the Broncos, mm, I don't think so. Against the Steelers, maybe. We'll see what the Steelers look like this season. Against the Lions, maybe. So let's see, Lions-Steelers, that's two. Let's go three against the Browns. Can you get two more wins? I mean, that, 
at the Seahawks, four. So one more win. And that could be sweeping the Falcons. Or that could be pulling an upset over a team like the Cardinals or the Giants, beating the Giants on the road. They could. This could be a seven-win team. I don't think it's crazy to see uh, the Carolina Panthers go over their win total this season. Coming up next, we will uh, talk more about this trade with Chris Landry, veteran scout, coach, and consultant. LandryFootball.com is the website that he runs. Chris has worked on staff uh, with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban with the Cleveland Browns, as well as a stop uh, over with the Tennessee Titans. So we'll get talk to all things football with Chris coming up next here on The Look Ahead here on VC. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Scott Seidenberg, always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S. O-N-A-I-R. The biggest story, of course, of the day is Baker Mayfield being traded to the Carolina Panthers. Here to help me break it down and talk a little bit about the college football craziness that we've seen over the past week or so is uh, Chris Landry, a veteran football scout, coach, and consultant who has worked on staff with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban with the Cleveland Browns, was in the Tennessee Titans front office, and uh, spent some time at LSU as well. Chris runs the website, LandryFootball.com, and you can follow Chris on Twitter, at LandryFootball. Chris, let's get right into it. How much of an upgrade at the quarterback position is Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold? I, I think it's a question mark how much of an upgrade, but I think when you consider the fact what they got him for, we knew that it was going to be advantage to the team that was going to trade for him. They didn't give up a whole lot, and the Browns are paying a large chunk of the salary. I think it's a good move, and I think it potentially is an upgrade. I don't it, – it doesn't really sound like at this point that they're looking to move um, Sam Darnold. So, um, y- y- you know – I think it's only positive. I mean, you're you're adding somebody to the mix, um, and I think that when Baker has played well, we see that he's very capable. It's consistency. It's decision-making. You know, I'm hedging because I don't think 
he's a great quarterback. It's why, but I do think that he's better than what they've had. And at least it's a good move because it gives them a chance to upgrade the spot. But I'm not, you know, in any way saying that next year at this time that the Panthers are not looking for a quarterback because maybe one of these haven't really emerged like they had hoped. But they're better off than they were, you know, when we last spoke, when they didn't have them. So I I think it's a good move for them and something that the Browns needed to get done uh, for obvious reasons, but it's costly for the Browns. They're paying most of the salary, and they didn't get, obviously, what they would have hoped that they could have gotten for Baker Mayfield, but that's just the reality of uh, they were in a, a disadvantageous position from a leverage standpoint. Let's talk the college football craziness, Chris. Uh, your initial reaction to the Big Ten expansion? Well, you know, it's something that surprised me and that I did not see it coming, but it doesn't surprise me. And I guess if I was really inquisitive enough, you could put the pieces together. The Big Ten TV contract was supposed to be cemented by Memorial Day. It wasn't. Eh. Those things happen, negotiations, right? Uh, it takes a little longer than expected. But what was well, this is what was going on. They were in negotiations to add the LA market with USC and UCLA, and so mm, kind of makes some sense what they were doing. It's going to be a uh, big time. Uh, it's a big time get for them, but I think it's intriguing on a couple of different levels because it kind of mirrors what happened oh about a year ago when texas and oklahoma announced that they're going is that going to be moved up in any way i mean it's a lot of money for texas and oklahoma to enter the sec prior to 2025 but is the sec going to make a move now i don't think the big 10 is done um i know everybody's trying to court notre dame they're kind of in a leverage spot where they're the big free agent scott they're the guy that you know, that everybody wants, but they don't have to go anywhere. You know, it's it's a little different than free agency in that they can do their own thing in their own way. Can they get a TV contract on their own that's going to pay them more than, say, being part of a, uh, you know, a Big Ten? <clears throat> don't know. Don't know. Will, will CBS be a player since they're going to lose the SEC contract, um, you know, after it's done? You know, I think there's a lot of things. Here's what I know. With that being an opening or with a a TV network out there that's going to be clamoring for content and streaming Apple, Amazon, um, I I just think that this Big Ten contract is going to be through the roof. And now I think what's interesting is trying to figure out where things go from here. Um, You know, in addition to Notre Dame. Do we see the SEC make a strong run at, say, a Clemson uh, and someone else? Um, North Carolina is someone that is of interest of teams. So I think it's what's going to happen next. What's going to happen with the Pac-12 and the Big 12? Do they merge? Do, right now, a lot of the Big 12 folks think, whoa, 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 we, we can go and get Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado. Why do we want to merge? Do, do we want – do we want to kind of go and strike with them or uh, and then does does the Pac-12 lose those type of schools? Do they lose Washington and Oregon and does the Pac-12 basically cease to exist as we've known it? Um, I think there's a lot of intrigue, but what is most, you know, 
kind of fuels the issue, the, the big issue. It's kind of obvious, but just to put it in perspective, USC, which considers themselves, and I think historically we can all agree that they're on an Ohio State, Alabama-type level um, historically, they simply felt like they could not compete with those type of programs anymore because of the big disparity in terms of the income level. Scott, it looks like they're going to make television revenue-wise only three times more money than they were would have made in the Pac-12 deal. And so that, that, that puts them in the big boy level to where they can kind of catch up with staff, and other things that the big-time programs that are doing that USC has fallen behind a little bit on. They felt like they couldn't compete at a national championship level until they got the money to the level that it is now. And uh, going into the Big Ten, it's going to give them uh, – it's going to buoy their efforts, no question. You and I have talked about this uh, a lot. Um, you know, one of the – problems with college football is the lack of a central governing body. The conferences really have all the power and they run everything themselves. And I think this is another example of what's lacking in college football. And until they do kind of come up with some uniformity, you know, uniformity, it's the, the conferences will continue to run wild and we might see uh, some of these conferences cease to exist, like the ACC if Notre Dame were to go to the Big uh, Ten or the Pac-12 if they get enveloped in the, by the Big 12 and the Mountain West. And, and I think it's bad for the sport, Chris. Well, it is. And I go back to use the NFL analogy. Back in the day when the NFL wasn't making money hand over fist, it was, you know, the organizations like the Giants and the Bears, among others, that said, hey, hey, you know what? We can go do our own TV deal and all that. But if the other the teams that we play, our business partners, our competitors on the field, but our business partners, if we don't have good business partners, if we don't have opponents that we can play against, we're nothing, so we're going to go to the revenue-sharing model. Now, there, were, there wasn't the money back then, and there are a lot of owners today that would love to do their own thing their own way. It's just kind of the way the society is. But that's the way college football's always been. And it, it's, it makes you wonder, is the Big Ten and the SEC going to gobble up the prominent, remaining prominent football programs? Because there's nowhere to go other than to start raid the other well, what we called Power Five. Now I don't know what we're going to call it. Now let the let the the dust settle and we'll we'll figure it out. But it, could we end up being a AFC NFC look with the Big Ten and the SEC, yeah. where it's basically you know the Power Two, and the rest of them are just trying to find a way to make ends meet and have a relevant program. But it's going to be quite interesting to see how this all shakes out. But um, it's. Look, it's not good for the overall balance and competitiveness, um, but as you've kind of alluded to and we have discussed several times, it's with no organization, no leadership. And I, I think in this day and age and time, I, I don't think we're ever going to see that because you're not going to see the conference commissioners uh, give up their power to someone else. I mean, it's just not going to happen. We're, we've gone too far down that path that we're going to have to find a way to figure things out in a different way because – College footballs run differently. It's unique. Its uniqueness is it's quaint in some ways, but it can be um, its own worst enemy in others. Chris, appreciate the time as always. Talk to you again soon. Thank you, Scott.
There he is, Chris Landry, football scout, coach, and consultant. You follow him on Twitter at Landry Football. The website is LandryFootball.com. Chris has a ton of experience and a lot of connections throughout both the NFL and college football, and he joins us all the time here on the show. We'll continue to do so as we prepare for the offseason, the training camps, as we get through the preseason, and then the start of the season in the fall. Uh, Yeah, the college football craziness, man, with the conference realignment, and it's not done yet. Like, we will see uh, more change coming in college football. And a couple years from now, we're going to look back and not even – just like we can't even fathom like the BCS now in the playoff era, it's going to be hard to recognize what we're seeing now in a couple of years from now. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold. Cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you to look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, you got the Wimbledon women's semifinal going on on Thursday. The men's semifinal will be on Friday. Uh, which is very interesting. You know, we are could be headed towards a Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal matchup here in the championship. Uh, women's final is obviously on Saturday. The men's final is on Sunday. Wanted to go through the Major League Baseball schedule for this Thursday and uh, break down everything that we're looking at right now. And I'm going to jump ahead here to talk about what is more than likely going to be the play of the day. And that's the Phillies against Joanna Doan and the Nationals. Joanna Doan was the auto-fade of the year in Major League Baseball. And I take full credit, and anybody else that tries to take credit, just, just know that they're wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm half kidding. But I've been betting against Joanna Doan ever since his first start of the season all the way back in April against the New York Mets. I have the tweets to document it. I watched when when that first start happened and I was looking for a play of the day. It was April 9th. It was Chris Bassett getting his first start for the Mets against Joanna Doan. And I say, you know what? Let me look at this. Let me look at Bassett. What can we expect from last year? And now he's on the Mets. So uh, what can we expect here? And then who's this kid of Doan? I started to look up and I saw, man, what an ascension through the Nationals organization where this kid didn't even pitch a triple A last year. Like he was in single A last year. 
then double A, and then they call him up. He makes one start at the end of the season against the Red Sox, and he strikeouts like he strikes out like ten or eleven or whatever, and everyone's just gushing about this kid. But I said, you know what? He's not ready. He's got major control issues, and I just I don't see it. I don't think this kid should have made the opening day uh, roster. Terrible spring, ter- you know. Just let's just bet against him. Well, that worked out really well. Met scored four runs on him in the four innings that he pitched. Then I said, this is too good to be true. We're going to bet against them the next time. So I bet on the Pirates. And that wasn't really a, a, a good proposition early on. Like, now you see the Pirates, they win some games, right? You know, Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes, like O'Neill Cruz. You're very excited about the Pirates now. But early in the season, it's like, ew, the Pirates? They scored six runs on him in, the, in four innings. So I bet against them again with Arizona. Dude throws six and a third, scoreless baseball. And I said, all right, he's okay, this kid. Maybe the first two starts were rough, but he's bounced back. All right. So I decided to bet against him again his next start. Giants tagged him for five runs in four innings. And then it was off to the races. I bet against him every single start of the season in some fashion or another. And the only time that I lost on him, besides that Diamondbacks game, was a game where I took the first five innings over instead of taking the Mets in the first five innings. Some of you might remember this if you've been following along with my tweets. And in that game, I felt, man, the Mets are clearly going to hit Yoan Adon, but I don't trust Taiwan Walker who at that point was not pitching well at all. He has since been much better. And maybe that was the turning point for him. But prior to that, he had been pretty bad. So I took the over in the first five innings. Mets did their part. They scored three runs. Uh, but the Nationals didn't score any. And then the Mets win the game 4-1. to one. Here's some stats for you. Because we love stats, right? The Washington Nationals are 1-12 and 12 in Joanna Doan starts this season. 11 of the 12 losses are by more than one run. So you're thinking, I don't really like laying the run line with the home team. It's okay. You're good. How about the first five innings, which I will lay a half a run in the first five innings with the Phillies. The Nationals are 0 12 and 1 in the first five innings in Joanna Doan starts. If you bet $100 on the Washington Nationals in every start of Joanna Doan this year, if you bet on the first five innings, you are down $1,200. He is the least profitable first five pitcher in Major League Baseball. This is a spot start for him. He was sent down to the minors after doing what he was doing. He got recalled about 10 days after his last start to make a spot start for the Nationals, and he got roughed up by the Phillies. They scored four runs in the first couple innings against him. He was sent back down, pitched a little bit in the minors, and uh, let's see. He had a 
a scheduled break, right? A scheduled break, but then gets called up here now to pitch for the Nationals in this uh, start here. So he pitched, let's see. Oh, where was he? Hmm. 6-12, triple-A start. He gives up three runs on four hits in two innings. Same old, same old. Then he threw on 6-22, and he went uh, five scoreless innings. Uh, that was the last time we saw him start. So he hasn't pitched in a while. Yeah. He's getting roughed up. He is going to get roughed up in this start. I'm laying it every which way possible here. I'm going Phillies and Phillies first five, Phillies full game run line, and yeah, I'm going uh I'm going Phillies maybe team total as well. Hopefully Kyle Schwarber stays hot. And Kyle Schwarber's been the man. This this season, in really in the month of June, and then into um, pick he's picked it up in July as well. But now the fade is back. We are on the Phillies. I'm going to spread out my bets. It'll be the first time that I actually give out multiple bets as a play of the day. Like we're giving out Phillies first five, Phillies full game, Phillies team total, just an all out fade of Yohan and Doan. And I think we're going to be okay. I'll tell you what. I'm hosting my guys in the desert on Thursday. And the show starts about, well, the show starts at 5 o'clock Eastern time. This is a 4 o'clock Eastern time first pitch. And I will lead off the show with an update of what is going on in the Phillies and Nationals game. And seeing what the score is after whatever inning we're in after one hour of play between the Nationals and the Phillies. So that's a game I will definitely be on. But there's more. There's a lot of games on this schedule here for Thursday. I feel like it's a much better board than what we saw here on uh, Wednesday. Now, where can we take advantage of some of these uh, games here? What pitching matchups do we like? What pitching matchups do we don't like? There is a massive favorite to start the day. The Houston Astros are... Minus 365 against the Kansas City Royals. Now, why is the line that crazy? Well, you got Justin Verlander amongst the favorites to win the Cy Young in the American League against Chris Bubich, a guy who uh, has been roughed up several times, at least earlier in the season. The Astros just had their winning streak snapped. Is that a fade spot or a buy on the bounce back spot? Let's explore that game plus the rest of this Thursday Major League Baseball board coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen games on the Thursday schedule. Take a look at them all coming up next here on Visa.
to find all of our podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Network. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VCND Sports Betting Network. How about we run through the Major League Baseball board, 13 games on the schedule. We already gave you one game for Thursday. Let's talk about the rest. The day starts with the Royals and Astros from Houston as the Astros uh, had their winning streak snapped. They had won, what was it, eight straight games prior to this uh, loss against the Royals, seven to four, three home runs given up by Christian Javier. And so now it'll be Justin Verlander getting the start. Uh, he was actually pushed back. So they um, basically Verlander was supposed to start the other day when Jake Odorizzi made his start. But, you know, Verlander's been working a lot lately, so they decided to push him back to the series finale. So Verlander will get the start here against Chris Bubik and uh, the Astros a minus 365 favorite in this game. Uh, no, I, I don't recommend laying that amount of juice. Um, taking a look at the run line is going to be juicy as well. The Astros on the run line is minus 165. So try and find a different way to play this one. Maybe an under on the Royals team total, thinking that Verlander shuts them down. Try to get creative here with this one. But the Astros, I know that it, it, you know they just had their winning streak snapped, but they have such a massive pitching edge here with Verlander and uh, Bubik. And, you know, the Royals are a team that intrigues me because uh, they're 30 and 50, and they're probably going to get worse. They've already started the sell-off. They trade Carlos Santana so they can bring in um, the uh, rookie uh, slugger from AAA, um, uh, Vinny uh, Pasquatino, right? And... Uh, there's a lot of people that believe that Andrew Benintendi could be on the move. Um, they're not going to trade, obviously, uh, Whit Merrifield and, and, and Bobby Witt and you know the studs that they have, but a lot of people believe that they could see uh, Benintendi could be a guy that's on the move. And maybe, who knows, maybe they trade Merrifield as well. We'll see. But the Royals could be an attractive seller as we get to the trade deadline. The Pirates will take on the Reds. You got Rosne Contreras against Mike Miner for the Reds, and I kind of like the Pirates in this one. You know, Pittsburgh, a little bit of a boost playing against the Yankees. And, yeah, the, it was a rough one, um, the 16 nothing defeat uh, on Wednesday night. But they got the win on Tuesday. But now they have a pitching advantage here. I mean, Contreras has been good for them lately. And Mike Miner for the Reds has not been. 
Uh, Mike Miner's last several starts, he gave up uh, his best start was his most recent start, just two runs allowed in six innings to the Braves. Prior to that, six runs in five innings, four runs in six innings, four runs in six innings, three runs in four innings, five runs in four innings. So a lot of runs given up and a lot of hits by Mike Miner ever since he came off the IL. Uh, I do not like the Reds here. Um, I, I, I would look to back Rosne Contreras, who uh, his past his last game he got just absolutely annihilated by the Brewers, was tagged for seven runs, three home runs allowed against the Brewers in just an inning and two-thirds. But prior to that last uh, start, he was pitching really well, allowing just one run, uh, two runs in his last 10 combined innings prior to that start against the uh, Brewers. So maybe it's a bounce-back spot for Contreras. Um, if anything, you know, maybe an over. You know, the day games I'd have to look at here, like, let's see. Um, let's look at this. I want to see the Cincinnati Reds, because right now the Cincinnati Reds on the season are right there with the Phillies as the two best over teams in baseball. At home this year, the Cincinnati Reds have been the top over team in baseball, 25-16 and 16 to the over this season at, at home. But uh, can I see the day game stats? No, I don't think I can. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to see uh, day game stats for them, but maybe we'll have to dive into that. And if we like it, we'll give it out in the VEASAN Daily Best Bets page. The Angels take on, that's it for the day games. Day games, you're going to have Royals, Astros, Pirates, Reds. Those are 1 o'clock starts. you got one 4 o'clock start. That's the Nationals and the Phillies. And then the rest are night games, 7 p.m. Eastern time starts. Angels take on the Orioles. you got Jordan Lyles against Michael Lorenzen. And Lyles and the Orioles are a minus 115 favorite. Marlins take on the Mets as the Mets are a minus-170 favorite at home. Trevor Williams gets the start for them against uh, Daniel Castano for the Marlins. And Castano is actually, you know, he's, he's, shown, some, he's shown some things. Uh, last time against the Mets, seven innings of two-run ball as the Marlins won that game 3-2. to two. So, you know, Marlins interesting plus money price. Uh, could be some weather in uh, Queens as we check the weather report because the forecast does look like rain. Let's get you an exact weather report for this game here. Let's see. Mets and Marlins. All right, it says 0% chance of precipitation. So it might rain during the day, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get any rain during the game time for the Mets and the Marlins. At least that's what I'm looking at here on uh, this one site. Okay, let's keep it moving here. The Yankees take on the Red Sox. Garrett Cole on the mound against uh, Josh Winkowski. And the Yankees minus 165, which seems like a low price for Garrett Cole. But the Red Sox have been playing well. They have lost two straight to the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a big start for the Yankees. Uh, I I think it's a decent, you know, if you can find anything lower than 165, but 165 is usually the highest I'll go. But you can get plus, you know, you can get even money or in some books maybe plus money on the Yankees on the run line with Garrett Cole on the hill in uh, in, in what is just an absolute, you know, bandbox in Fenway Park. Uh, you have doubleheader game two, Pirates and, Red, Pirates and Reds. I guess I should have specified that that was a doubleheader. Pirates and Reds, game two of the doubleheader 
Uh, no pitcher decided right now for the Reds. Bryce Wilson will get the start for the Pirates. Now, these things change with doubleheaders. They announce this, they'll give out the starting pitchers, but they somehow swap it when it comes, you know, game time. They decide we're going to push this guy to game two. This guy will pitch game one. So uh, just have to wait and see what we find out here coming up on uh, Thursday. Cardinals will take on the Braves. The Braves have won the first three games of this series. They go for the four-game sweep with Spencer Strider on the hill against uh, Matt Libertore, who is starting for the Cardinals. Atlanta minus 225. And I got to be honest, I think they I think they finished the sweep here. You know, Atlanta's looked so good in this series, and I thought the one game that the Cardinals had a chance to win was here on Wednesday with Miles Michaelis on the hill. But now you, you have to face Spencer Strider, and I just, 225 is a heavy line, but, man, I, I think the, the Cardinals are at a disadvantage here. Atlanta just looks really, really good. Tigers take on the White Sox. Bo Brisky gets the start against Dylan Cease. Chicago minus 250. Tigers are hot right now. They just finished off a sweep, right? Tigers just swept the uh, Guardians in four straight games. So, they're playing good baseball right now. And Dylan Cease has, uh, you know, he's been hit a little bit. Last start was a good one against San Francisco. Actually, Cease has been really good. So, yeah, probably this is probably a first five start for first five for the White Sox. Now that I think about it, although the Tigers, man, I got to see what the updated stats here are for them. Let's let's see. Let's see what the updated numbers here are on for the Tigers, because there was a time where they were the lowest scoring first five team in Major League Baseball, and guess what? They still are. Even after the five-game winning streak, they still are only averaging 1.73 runs per first five innings. So, man, maybe a White Sox first five play. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, speaking of former White Sox that got hit hard, Dallas Keuchel gets the start for the Diamondbacks against Austin Gomer for the Rockies. No line on this one just yet. Giants and Padres. Giants just snapped their winning streak. Just Excuse me, just snapped their losing streak. And they'll send Logan Webb to the hill against Joe Musgrove. So maybe the Giants feeling good about themselves after, you know, finally getting into the win column. But they still have lost 12 of their last 16 games. Cubs will take on the uh, Dodgers. You got Mark Leiter Jr. going for the Cubs. Tony Gonsolin, who is 10-0 on the year with a 1.54 ERA. He goes for the Dodgers. Dodgers minus 285. And then Mariners take on the Blue Jays. Blue Jays have not announced a starting pitcher yet. Marco Gonzalez goes for Seattle. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Paul Stone, college football handicapper, will join the program at 745 Eastern time. And at 830 Eastern time, Zach Jackson from The Athletic covering the Cleveland Browns will talk about the deal which sends Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. And as we wait, the uh, word on what the suspension will be for Deshaun Watson. It's all coming up on Follow the Money. You can follow me, Scott Seidenberg, on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. At Bed365, 
365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.